1: Hey guys, this is, and the writer is, and I'm your host, Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of artists and writers over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life, the industry, politics, composition, whatever. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. I'm producing this with the great Joe London, Big Deal Music Publishing, and Mega House Music Management. If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast, follow us on our socials, find out about special events, or buy some of our merchandise, go to our website, www.andthewriteris.com. Oh, and if you enjoy And The Writer Is, please rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred podcast listening site is. And this gets it. Are you recording us right now? Because this isn't your update, but right. I'm with Ricky Reed right now and it's kind of an update, but not. Um, I, I say that because maybe we'll use this. But when we this was the very the very first interview I ever did was yours. Really? Uh-huh. Whoa.
0: I didn't realize that.
1: Your episode I think came out third. Okay. I forget why we did that, but whatever it was, it came out third. And I just remember when we recorded it, because it was right at this desk. I was Pretty nervous. Wow, I'd never done it. We because we were like, let's d- I was pretty nervous. Dang, like I had those moments of like, like I was performing, you know, right. where that kind of like butterflies. Because uh, right, right, it wasn't because we were staring into each other's yeah, eyes. Exactly. <laughs> well, we know each other pretty well, but I'm just saying that that was actually really, um, that was really intense for me. Damn. Well, you know how I feel. Well, there you go. I mean, and then here you go. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh are we ready to do this? Cool. Okay. Welcome to And the Writer Is. I am your co-host, mm. Ross Golan. And today's uh uh host executive producing gene ish person. I'm producing the host today. The 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 guy is Ricky Reed. Hey, So, um, my iced coffee. All right. So, this is a a special episode. We've never done one of these before, Mm -hmm. and we decided to do this together because we've been going on this journey together. Um, this is the wrong man episode. This is the wrong man episode. This is a big week for you. Yeah. This is a big week for you. We talked, we
0: texted a little bit in advance, and I was like, Are you doing a big thing for the week of? And you were like, You know, always the humble and demure
1: <laughs> you were
0: like, yeah, you know, we're going little I was like, dude, you should really talk about it. Yeah. You have a show and you've been working on the wrong man for fourteen years. You should talk about it. Like yeah. really talk about it. Um so I'm going
1: to attempt to kinda interview you.
0: Cool. That's cool.
1: Nah, I'm excited, man. I'm yeah. like, I'm nervous. I'm in the hot seat. So, hey, but we're I trust both in you. the hot seat. Yeah, Whose seat is hotter? Right. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly.
0: Um, well, let's get into it. Um, so the place I kind of want to start with this is you and I meeting, and I know in our, you know, in my proper episode of And the Writer, as we talk about us meeting as like scrappy songwriters. Uh, which was probably, did we ever determine when that was, like 2010, I think, 2011?
1: I think it was just, just before that. I think that's probably about right, though. You know, About ten, 10 years ago, 9, 10 years ago.
0: Right, right. So when we met 9 or 10 years ago, you had already been working on The Wrong Man for four or five years yeah. at that point. I mean, you could say, I I don't know if I've worked on anything for more than two years I mean th- this album that we'll talk about is probably that for me but so I've known you for a decade and you were already about half a decade into this work that's insane um, do you remember the first time you played anything for me regarding The Wrong Man
1: and what it was wow I mean I do remember you seeing it in living rooms cause I know that for sure but I don't know the actual first time that I played it for you
0: I think I was sitting on the bed of that uh, much-famed condo. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: How weird is this? But that's <laughs> yeah. totally right.
0: Yeah. Uh. Um, And I definitely remember the first time seeing it actually live was, I uh, must have been a house. I, I feel like Hollywood Hills, but I did not even uh. know L.A. then. Uh, the city was, house. It was like one amorphous blob, this whole city. Uh-huh. I remember the
1: the floors were hardwood. Yeah. And it was like a cute old house. And there were, it was, I think it was what's so crazy about this project is that when I would play it in people's houses, um, you know, I feel like you know you're doing something right when people come back to see it again or they say to their friends, hey, you know, you got to see this or they say, can I host it? Right. Even if they're your close friends, it just has this other vibe to it when, um, when you know they're not there, just to be like, "Hey, good job," you right. know. And I had been in bands, and I had had record deals, and during this whole time, people were coming to see my bands in some pretty high-profile LA venues. But right. the thing people talked about was seeing the wrong man in somebody's living room, right? And so, so you're just like, "Oh man, I guess I'll just keep playing it." So tell, I mean, for
0: people who are not familiar, what? Paint a picture of what that is. What were these early shows like? What is seeing the wrong man in a living room? How long is it? What's the
1: setup? Sure. Well, it's changed a lot since when it started because you know it would be the the first song was called the wrong man, and I would play it for people, and and the character in it is a guy named Duran, and it, and he, I, I guess he didn't have a name yet, but everyone wanted to know what happened to that guy or how he got in that position, and right. you know my friends would always just. They'd see me perform and I would always play this one song. Right. And I spent a few years just trying to explain how do you get how does a guy get uh you know, it's a murder ballad. It's it's sort of the anti murder ballad, because it's the right. guy who didn't do the crime. Right, right. You know? Right. Whereas, you know, the you know the Tom Waitses and Johnny Cash and the yeah. the Tupacs and all these people who do great murder ballads, mm-hmm. and then but they're always the guy who did the crime, right? And here's a guy who didn't do the crime. I thought that that was really interesting, yeah. and then to try to describe it, you know, it'd be that thing where I would, I think in two thousand five is when I wrote the first song. And then around 2007 or 8 I, I got into the idea of I should go down this see see what happens if I really explain who this guy is. Right, right. And um I just remember when I first started playing for people it was really 2009. Okay. <clears throat> where I played it as a story. Ah. Where it was done. It was a, i had stopped it in 2007 or 8 after I'd written maybe the first six songs because the climax of that was a song called Stay Positive. And that was like song number seven. I never knew how to finish it. And so mm. I took the song out for a minute um, and my band started playing it and I wrote this one song called When Evil Men Go on the Run. And it was the song mm. where it kind of was the first time in the story where it goes elsewhere. And it happens in Mexico and it's this whole thing. Right. Um, and I was starting to tell that story and I, I remember this song... The longest lyric, the lyric that took the longest was the chorus of that song. Wow. Where I said, um, well, even evil men believe in getting even is fair. And that internal rhyme scheme and all of that is so good, but right. I, I never really knew what the next line was. And it took me mm-hmm. so long, but the next line is, so they go where extradition is rare. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and when I found it, I was like, I got it, I got it. Yeah. And I like zoomed through writing the rest of the wrong man. Oh, like wow. that line, like st- stalled me for like a month. Wow, I'm not ki- not not exaggerating, cause I'm really slow when I write for myself.
0: Right, right, right. As you should be.
1: But when I finished the, you know, maybe nine songs, mm-hmm. that's when I started playing it for people from front to finish in people's living rooms and stuff. Right, right. Let's let's talk about when it moves to the first theater experience.
0: Because when you see yeah. this thing in its entirety, even in a living room, you realize, oh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm watching a musical right now. I mean, it's a guy with a guitar and 20, 50 friends or whatever, but you soon realize this is a musical. And at some point, you do move to a theater. Tell me about that and also how, how many songs were in the show when it was at
1: that point. So I think in 2009-10, I started playing it for people kind of regularly. And... Um, more and more people said, can I host it? Can I host it? And um, people would say, can you send me like a vo- voice note of it so I can play it for some wow. people? Or can you send me a CD or an MP3 or whatever? And I always said, no, I'll fly to you, but I'm not going to play it for you or I'll drive to you. Mm, yeah, so yeah. I played it in countless living rooms, offices, and then ended up flying to Sydney, London, or sorry, not London, Sydney, New York, wow. um, Nashville, Chicago, Playing it for people who would host it in their houses. Right. And the people who hosted it around L.A. in early 2000s, you know, Wendy Goldstein, who's the head of VP for Republic, who signed mm-hmm. The Weekend and Ariana. She, I used to play it in her dining room, or wow. you know. Aaron Baechuk, who's now the head of Warner, who was you know president of Interscope when we signed there, is mm-hmm. you know he saw it in living rooms, you know, right, right. Pete Gambarg and 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 Craig had seen it in the, in a small room, you right. know, the, Zach a, a Katz, all these who. people, but they all just happened to see it because I'd played it so often, yeah, and someone would host it, right. But the gist of it creatively, I add, started adding songs when I would play for people. I said, "Man, I really could use this part of the story; would be, help clarify." Right. And it just—it was me workshopping a musical without knowing I was doing that. And then uh, Susie Deets was this this woman who had done Hedwig and the Angry Inch on Broadway, and she said, um, "She," I played it in her house, and she mm. said, "Well, her husband is um, is actually the head of Hits, started a Hits Magazine." Oh wow! Okay. So that's sort of like this random connection. And she said, well, why don't we put it on in a theater in Los Feliz in L.A.? Mm -hmm. So we did that. You It was that thing where I think it was two weeks of previews was originally four weeks, ended up being I think 10 weeks. So I think a total of 12 weeks of me just playing on stage. We had a dancer. Mm -hmm. We had five screens behind me. And there's these things called the Ovation Awards, which is the L.A. sort of drama desk or critic circle or whatever. Right, right, right. And it was us against the Almond Center Geffen, which is a multi you know they used many millions of dollars to put on their shows, and right. we did not, but we won best best new um uh best book and lyric and or sorry best book, best music and lyric, best digital, and we are nominated for best new musical wow, and no other show won two awards and we right. we just this small thing, which was basically just me and acoustic guitar right. At the time, Compass, my Lady Annabellum song, I think was just climbing to number one in country. Mm. But I hadn't I'd had a lot of I had, you know, written songs for Maroon Five and Bieber and Nicki Minaj Demi, right, right. a bunch of these things. But no like hit hits.
0: So you're how far into the wrong man are we at this point? What year are we at? So
1: this is two thousand fourteen.
0: Fourteen. So and, it's everything's about to sort of bust out into the open right here. Well the
1: weird thing is that Netflix didn't exist, right? Cereal didn't exist, so there was no making a murder. There I was no had, cereal. I just,
0: I gotta say that my first thought
1: was breakfast cereal. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> just there like, was no cereal. Wait, what year are we talking yeah, about? Exactly. <laughs> People were taking oats <laughs> out of the field and just chewing straight up. <laughs> just ho- ho- hoeing, they were, they were frying <laughs> their oats in pans, we and were, no one even realized. So there's no cereal. No one's even no one's even surviving. No milk. People, no milk. <laughs> Everyone's dying. This oh. is tough. It's tough in the time, morning. Dark time in 2014. Skip, <laughs> just have to skip straight to lunch. Uh-huh. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, at the time I felt pretty satiated. The the show that I had been doing in people's living rooms won awards. Right. We had a hundred people a night every time I'd perform it. So many cool people, Jason Alexander to like, you know, uh, you, Stargate, Benny, uh, you know, Steve Mack, all these people coming to see it on my writer side, my, you know, and then to have like these crazy actors come and see it. I just felt really complete. Right.
0: Well, that's something that I think we're going to touch on as we go through this is that, you know, when you just focus on the work and making great work, you. You will feel satiated and you'll feel complete all the time, and the only ambition you'll have is just to make the make the art better push the art farther, but that's one thing that's really great about this is that you know addressing one of the elephants in the room here is that like Hamilton is starting to take off around this point, yeah and totally, at, and at no point did you you know this wasn't like you saw. Hamilton, or you had any awareness that that was going to be a cultural phenomenon when you started all this? You were just making it because you wanted to make it.
1: Hamilton debuted in 2015, and by 2014, we had done the show already. You know, right? Um, I think what was crazy is that I felt satiated, and still no one had ever heard it. Right? There's not a recording in the world of it, so all of this was word of mouth. All right. these people who had seen it, all these people who had talked about it, was only because. Um, somebody told them to see it. So 2015 happens, you know, uh, Hamilton becomes big through 2015, 16, 17, now, right. you know, huge. Um, and Netflix becomes big, serial becomes big, so the subject matter wasn't as offensive of people who are wrongly accused. And which is which is kind of surprising, but when you think about how popular of a subject that's become right, it was just not popular previous to night of and all these you know these things oh, that yeah. brought into the zeitgeist, let alone Central Park Five, which we'll get to later, yeah, which even though it had been ex- existing, you know they weren't exonerated till two thousand and twelve, so people didn't really right. talk about that yet either, so basically people were like, well, who's got Who's got the next, you know, quote Hamilton, right? And they were going to to different publishers talking about it, Mm -hmm. and a bunch of people were like, "Well, what about Wrong Man?" Like that, they all know it, right? And I I was actually celebrating. Same old love had just gone number one, and Mm -hmm. I was having dinner with Aaron Okay. and he said, "Well, what's um, uh, what's the deal with Wrong Man?" Right, you know. And he's at, the, at this point, he's
0: the head of Interscope.
1: Yeah. Right. And I said, well, I might be going to, you know, I'm going to Nashville. I'm actually playing it in Nashville in like a week or something. And I said, well, come to, to Interscope on Friday before you leave. Play it for the staff. I played it. And he's like, come back next week before you leave again. Play it one more time. 60 people, another 60 people. And if you don't know anything about record labels, to herd. 60 people <laughs> to see anything, let alone a second time. Right. For a guy sitting with an acoustic guitar to tell a story is mm-hmm. virtually unheard of. Yes. And from, you know, John Janik and Aaron were the guys who got me my, helped me get my publishing deal, introduced me to Ryan Press at Warner Chapel. Wow. And they're, you know, they were running Interscope. So they've been, supporters of mine and friends of mine since 2010 11 Mm -hmm. around the same time so naturally it's like well of course they're going to do this because everyone who's a part of the wrong man has been family and friends
0: right you know another another theme that's going to run through this is when people are excited when they raise their hand early you just you walk through the door
1: huge lesson like if you're thinking that you're gonna go spend your whole life going through trying to get bidding wars and trying to to find a situation because you're gonna make play hard to get, when there are so many good people who are qualified who come up to you and whoever raises their hand first, who's who's qualified and is willing to put their name on the line before everyone else's, that's almost all the time the person you should go with, because otherwise you you might find something different. Now, maybe you'll make more money in the beginning, but it will not make you happier. And mm-hmm. it will not make the experience more fun.
0: For sure. You got to be with people that are fun to celebrate with, but also are tolerable when the shit hits the fan. Um But so, I guess
1: my question to you, okay, because this is where you come in. Like, right. well, you know, we had signed the deal with Interscope. Mm-hmm. Um, takes a while, you negotiate stuff. Right. Uh I remember where I was when you called cuz I was on a um I was in a house that we were renting and I was standing on a balcony and I remember you calling and being like essentially saying you know I'm going to do this <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you my side Well, my side of that story is Yeah
0: It's so odd because I can't remember what prompted me to call you for the life of me in a way that's almost a little strange because I feel like I usually remember like my motivations for doing things. But what I can remember clear as day, which I usually don't remember, is the fact that it was a Sunday afternoon. I know exactly where I was in my house. I know that I used my landline. I know that I was looking out this one specific window the whole conversation. I can see the exact scene even though I don't, Know why that's important, but it's for some reason stayed with me. And I just, I, the one thing I do remember about uh, it was I, I I've been talking to my wife and talking about the wrong man a little bit. And I was just like, I wonder what's going on with that. Like, if, if, if you, if you know, Ross is going to make an album, if there's been a deal done, I don't think I knew that you had signed a deal for it. Crazy. Um, but, maybe we had been in talks that you know you were continuing to develop it and this and that so my whole thing was like well this might be really fun and you and I didn't have anything that we were like really properly teamed up on of course we've written songs together um but i felt like our relationship had so much more potential that we had never tapped uh, you know up until that point so it was sort of a to me kind of a harmless just like check-in to see what was going on Um, and I remember you saying yeah we've been talking to this person and that person but again you gave me that impression like if you're really into it let's go you know and that's a huge thing for you to hand over the keys to because you're at this point you know a solid like decade into it and you're
1: like yeah man if you're excited I trust you (laughs) And well, that's, that's the thing that's is crazy. I, tru- I trust you because you've known me since before. Like you would write with me when I had nothing, and I don't really care about. I'm not. This whole project is is genuinely about sharing this journey. Even the point of doing this podcast is sort of to share the journey with the the people who listen to the podcast. Right? Like this this podcast being uh, the wrong man special. You know, is <laughs> yeah. is really to to share this journey with people who will watch this thing live in some capacity. But the fact that you saw, that you remember it in this fame condo that at a point when I couldn't afford the condo and you couldn't afford a car to get to the condo. Right. And, you know, in context of how crazy this is, that that year is when is when um, I got Songwriter of the Year for BMIs. Right and you got nominated for producer of the year for the grammys that's crazy and that's, that's when really it's like crazy. the the way the um i I kind of wanted to read the thank yous that I put in the album at at the end of this but yeah, yeah. the very end of it you know spoiler alert mm-hmm. essentially is like sometimes like you as an artist you want to happen to the world and sometimes the world happens to you Right. And wow. this, this project really is that where you knew this project in 2010, yeah. 11. Mm-hmm. I knew this project then, but both of us knew it wasn't time to record it. Right. We just knew it was time to record it when we did. Mm hmm. So we, you know, we did it really uniquely. What you hear is genuinely a live performance. It's in um we did it over four nights and you know that's
0: that's yeah, the performance
1: that you hear. So yeah, let's let's break down the production of this. I was al- gonna say, why why did you want to produce it like this and not like an album how you normally would? Right. So my
0: thought going into it was, you know, you've been playing this for you know, whatever that was at that point, 10 years in front of people in living rooms and on stages and this and that. And of course we could go through and do it like a traditional album and we can get nice clean vocal takes and nice clean guitar and everything. But I thought that the, oh, you know, I had at that point seen you do it more than once a couple times. And every time you do it, you know, you would like step in and out of character in different ways. You would have like different points that were really exciting Maybe you would, um, you know, sort of be hot and bothered one night and rush something, and it but it was like really great and crazy. And um, there's, as you know, there's a different energy when you perform in front of people versus being in a vocal booth. Like, okay, let's get that line again. Let's get it again. Let's get it again. So, my thought was, how can we get a, you know studio-level recording that doesn't sound like a live album. There's no applause. There's no like distant reverby vocal
1: sound. Except for the birds in the very first Except song, which, birds. Is, which is a real moment. Yeah. I mean, it was like sun was setting and you heard birds, but it was, that's a good performance, so we kept it. Right, <laughs> Those right. birds are
0: real, yeah. They're very Great. real. Um, so what we did was we yeah, recorded you over the course of, uh, yeah, I think it was four nights, um, in front of a live audience here at my studio um, in Elysian Park. And yeah, it was about, I think we were able to fit about 20, 25 people in there. We rented chairs, we you know, lit candles and made it a whole vibe. Uh, it didn't look great because we had to put about six microphones in front of you. It looked like a press conference. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but you know, we the audience was really respectful and really quiet. And at the end of it, we had these, you know, emotionally vibrant, supercharged vocal and guitar performances that I knew the next step was going to be even more challenging, which was going to be having a band, and in fact, a great band, come through and help uh, complete the picture, which was our goal from the beginning was to actually not make an acoustic album, but to make an album with a band with you at the center of it. Um, So it was tremendously challenging, but I'm really proud of it because we have what you hear on the final recording are these raw live performances in front of an audience, which is really exciting. And, you know, whatever those total 60, 80 people that were here, they were sitting in there for an album being recorded, which is crazy.
1: I think there are a few things to this that I've tried to explain to people is that if you invest an hour into it, then you'll have ownership in it. Where, um, Tommy Kale, who's producing the show that's opening in New York, he right. said, "You know, people tell people about plays, but they bring people to musicals. Wow! And and this feels like that with this as an album. It's sort of when you know you'll tell someone to go listen to an album, but you'll show them Dark Side of the Moon timed up with with Wizard of Oz, <laughs> right?
0: Right? Do you know right, what I right.
1: mean? Because there's something about this project that that people keep telling telling other humans about it." Right. Um and enough so that one of the cool parts of the people that the personnel that you brought in to record the album, you know, Mike Elizano and I've worked together, obviously classic bassist, and he brought in Trevor Lawrence because they do a lot of they've been playing together forever and obviously Since a lot they of doc, were kids. Yeah. Dr. Dre and Eminem right. and all that. Um You you brought in Nate because you're friends with Nate to Nate Mercero. Mm -hmm. Um, I brought in Johan Carlson who has seen this countless amount of times because we've done a million recordings together. We did Dangerous Woman in my house and stuff like that and how many times have we had an artist in the room where he says, go play play Wrong Man for them, and we spend like an hour doing that, and then we just drink, and then that's the end of our session kind of right, thing. Right, 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 right. So, so we're talking you know, about the band here. We this have is the band. Drums, yeah.
0: Trevor Lawrence, Mike Elizondo on bass, yeah, Nate co-producing and lending guitar, and then Johan also adding keys.
1: Yeah, and then...
0: Tremendous band.
1: And then Neil Avron who mixed it, who... Produced my old band Glacier Hiking ten years ago, eleven years ago, and you know the amount of people on the the personnel of this album that have ownership in our respective careers individually Uh, and together. I worked with Neil on Twenty One Pilots, of course. Also, yeah, yeah. I mean to have all like it. That's the part of this that's so fun to me too. Is when you make an album with people you respect, Mm -hmm. but friends that you respect sort of like the whatever whatever came out of it even if the music was terrible again mm-hmm. would have felt really satisfied having gone through risking this these songs on this production right i was proud to go down and see what happens with this group because mm-hmm. everyone is so good and you just want to i i And neither of us have the kind to to micromanage how people play. And it's really easy to not micromanage, you know, Mike Elizondo, Trevor, Nate, or or Johan when they're so good. You just say, you know, play and knock yourselves out.
0: Well, a lot of it more, you know, as we were going through the recording was kind of talking to them about what part of the story this is. Okay, like this takes place in a bar, this put takes place in the bedroom this takes place here there and then these guys are so good and they're all such uh sort of song song focused virtuosos that you tell them about the story and they're like okay i know where to put the drum fill i know what kind of baseline this needs based on the details of duran and what he's going through which is so cool to be with people that are on that high of a level they can channel their virtuosity into storytelling i mean like Incredible band. Totally. Incredible band. So tell me about, you know, we're as we're finishing the album, I'm like going crazy working on the post-production with Nate. Uh, how did you get introduced to Tommy? How does the New York stuff start? We're, we're okay, going to talk so about the show here, the, one off of the Broadway show.
1: So one of the guys who came to see me record it in your place is a guy named Kurt Deutsch, who, who's the head of musical theater for Warner Chapel. Right. He sees it. He comes into the control room with us after, and he's you know we're we drinking. all drink. We're drinking. We're drinking a lot. Yeah. And he says, you know, come to New York in in two weeks. At that point, I'd played it for uh, a a couple more people, you know, because that's just what I do, you know. And someone else had called Tommy Kale, who had directed Hamilton, said, "You got to hear this thing, the Raw Man. Right. And. Kurt happened to be on a subway, saw Tommy, and said, "Hey, have you heard the wrong man?" And Tommy said, you're the second person to bring this up in two weeks." Wait, on a subway? On a subway in New York? God, of course. Of course, that's the <laughs> thing that. So I'm in I'm in New York. I play it for three theaters. Um, you know, it's you know, you're you're playing for the theater that did once and 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 rent, and then you're in the right. the you know. It, you're in this theater that did Hamilton. You're in this theater that did, you know, and, and I'm sitting there with the acoustic guitar playing, you know, and um, Tommy calls me and he says, uh, or sorry, Kurt calls me and he says, Friday morning, 9 o'clock, this is New York time, play it for Tommy. Now, this is Thursday night. I would played it three times in less than two days. Oh, boy. And I This had to is about
0: meet- a 75-minute vocal Performance?
1: Yeah, maybe just a, a hair under that. Yeah. Wow. And you know, I just played for a bunch of theaters. They were really excited about it. But you know, I don't know what would have happened. But I, I went into Kurt's office nine in the morning, played one song for Tommy, and he's like, you know, play the next one, play the next one until we were done. And he just said, "Why don't you come back to New York in a month?" And this is while we're doing post production for the album. Mm-hmm. He brings in Alex Lackamore, who just got his honorary doctorate from Berkeley this year with with Missy Elliott and Justin Timberlake. Wow! He did. He was a music director for um, Hamilton, Dear Van Hansen, In the Heights, Greatest Showman. Oh man, legend! Yeah. So it's me, Tommy, Kill Alex. The two of them just won the uh, the highest medal the United States gives to uh, to. Uh, Artistic contribution. Wow! For the Kennedy honors, back when they used to give medals for artistic yeah. things. Well, they they do it. They do it for a bunch of guy, people who are in their seventies and eighties, and here are these two guys who are about our age who win this award with Lynn Manuel right. and um, their choreographer as well. And so they went and uh, they brought in the guy who uh, who's playing the lead as well, and this is in an office in December a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. So in that time, I just kept flying to New York every three months to do some workshops, would write new songs, would edit songs. And the show now is shockingly different from the album, Mm. using a lot of the same themes from the album. But when you have a cast of 14 people performing what I perform in one album you know each of the character has they they have their own journey right it, if you're telling a story about five people you know yeah you you're, you're going to have your bias right. but if each of those five people tell their own story then they're going to have an empathy for their own motivations right
0: right and in the wrong man the album the one that we made yeah. you're really seeing it through Duran's eyes through Duran's eyes versus yeah.
1: this one you see through the community's eyes a yes. little bit more so What's crazy is that this album comes out, you know, July twenty sixth, and the show the tickets go on sale July twenty sixth for the show that opens October seventh. Wow! Preview starting September eighteenth. So here we have a show in New York with the director from Hamilton, music director from Hamilton. Their first show since Hamilton musical. So yeah, gosh, this is crazy. You have this album with. Seven Grammy nominees playing on it, mm-hmm. and or winners, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not a winner yet. No, you will. Don't, don't count me. Not yet. All of this is word of mouth. Right, right, right. And I th- I can't say how how crazy it is. All these people are involved in this because they spend an hour to listen to this at one point. Listen
0: to the wrong man, see what happens to your life.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, look, I met my wife seeing this.
0: That's what I'm talking about.
1: She came up to me after I performed it in 2010. We did a sizzle reel of this that I think will be on the internet in the next few weeks. Okay. We did a sizzle reel of it where somebody had snuck in the footage. I didn't know that they did this from 2010. Wow. And, you know, and I... I introduce it then saying, hey guys, this is my <laughs> this is my new this is an album I'm working on called The Roman in two thousand ten. I never recorded it but wow. and she came up to me afterwards, she goes, You have really nice tone and then took off. I was like, greatest glass slipper you could ever <laughs> leave a singer. <laughs> You don't say like "Wow, totally. great songs, not not like yeah. "Wow, you sang really well, hey, I really liked it she said, you you've really nice tone. tone, gotta go disappeared, <laughs> and i- you know I asked her friend for her email and and she said yes, and then her friend asked Jackie for if she could give Jackie's email to me, and Jack said no, but it was too late. I had already gotten it, <laughs> <laughs> and uh here we are, you know wow. still still together, nine years later, oh man, well, that's I mean.
0: That's what this thing really seems to all be about. Like you and I talk about, this comes up often, the the concept of legacy. Oh, yeah. Um, and how you and I both feel like the concept of legacy is kind of trash uh, yeah. in the sense that, you know, if you do, I guess the thing is legacy as a motivational tool, that's really what is truly garbage. Um, that we like to do things that are, you know, Motivated just by an artistic pursuit or being around people you love. Um, but something that you said, it was actually so beautiful. And I'll never forget this when we were recording it. I think it was like night three or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it was, oh no, it was actually the last night. Do you remember how I like made you take a Have big it. swig of yeah. bur Was it Bullet? I don't remember what it was.
1: I, I think so. And I have to make sure I don't make that a standard, but that made it such a fun experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, but yeah,
0: You've never performed yeah, this exactly. like, thoroughly drunk, so yeah. we're going to do that. So we did it exactly. on the last night because you'd already nailed it a few times. I said, we're in the clear, let's have some fun. That was probably the night that we hung out with Kurt afterwards as well. But one of the things that you said to me and, and my wife and my daughter who was just a little baby there, you said... You know what, this is gonna sound crazy. You said maybe this is gonna sound morbid, but you were like, you know, I've been working on this for, you know, nearly half my life. And if I was to go tomorrow, I will, you know, I creatively at least in my career, I would I would be happy. Like I I laid down the thing that is most important to me. And that was so beautiful. And I also was like, so inspired and admired you so much in that moment because I felt like, man, I, I, can't, I, can't even, I can't even relate to that feeling. Like this guy has been working on this for so long and and he's done it. Like you said, you were, you were satiated. We were a tenth of the way into the studio album. There, this Broadway stuff wasn't even there. And again, you check in at every point in this and you're happy because your motivations were coming from the right place. It was really beautiful.
1: Thank you. It's amazing how we we forget um, that our job is just to entertain people and studying music history, you know, and um, this sounds weird, but the thing that brought music into the secular world out of being just music for the church, for Western music, was these poets, these troubadours who would go and play stories for rich people right you know and at the time I was really broke when I first started it and I didn't know I was doing it yet and I didn't understand what it was but somehow the human instinct was even in you know from 1100 to the plague in 1350 the thing that moved music away from the church were these guys who would tell stories about love and murder Mm-hmm. and they would talk about you know come they they'd be funny they would sometimes juggle while they're playing but they would right. go around and they would just entertain entertain people right and they would tell poems and they would tell stories and you realize that that's what we're doing now now that we have the ability to record it and distribute it amongst millions of people doesn't mean that the the human instinct should change and it if we can just sort of tell a story and entertain the listener and make it about the listener and not about who's performing it, because I'm not the guy who's playing the lead in the show in New York. Mm-hmm. I'm totally fine with that. Right. Just like I know I get to, I'm fortunate enough to be the guy who gets to perform this on the album.
0: Right. And we said, you know, we said that when we
1: were making this,
0: the dream is that it's performed by other people with their own spin on it their own twists on it that the book is distributed and and kids or high school theaters or whatever i mean that to me that's the that's the ultimate 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 outcome of this is is making a story that people get to share with others going forward
1: yeah well thank you for going on the journey with me because um you know I said it on the balcony that day and you know I I I trust you because I know that we're in this journey this career journey together for the, all the right reasons you know and and so to to do this album with you is amazing and and to be honest you know whatever thank yous or whatever I was going to read off the album the first thank you on the album is you so thank you for letting Uh, given me the
0: privilege to work on it.
1: Awesome. Well, go go check it out. It's available everywhere. Hit me up on social media. Check out my Instagram. Maybe I'll I'll respond to it. Like and subscribe. Meet me on MySpace. (laughs) I will see you guys on Friendster shortly. Um, The Wrong Man is everywhere and crazy journey to go on it with everybody who's listening to it to it and uh if you get a chance to turn on the lights, put on some candles, turn off your phone, uh bring out a couple bottles of wine or whiskey mm-hmm. and uh um and sit and just listen to it and bring some friends over and uh that's that's how everyone's been hearing it for years and I'm just excited that now people can do it without me there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But thank you. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And the writer is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to David Silberstein from Omega House Music and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golan.